0: Hey guys, I'm so glad you're here. You're listening to the Efficiency Bee Podcast, where we focus our time, money, and energy on all the right things to enjoy our bold, balanced, and blessed lives. I'm your host, Melissa Leone. I'm on a mission to redefine feminism, and dare I say, end it. You've heard of a busy bee, a honeybee, a queen bee, this is Efficiency Bee. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for joining me today. My name is Melissa Leone. I'm your host of the Efficiency Bee podcast, where we focus on being bold, being balanced, and staying blessed. Today, I'm excited to introduce you to Jen Couch. She is the founder of Sober Tribe. She is a retired gray area drinker, helping women all over the world to talk about gray area drinking and how to avoid shame and rules around it. She's a wife, a mother and an online coach. Hi, Jen. Love it. Hey, Melissa. Thanks for having me today. I'm so excited that you're here. I found you. I don't know if I told you this, but I found you on Facebook. Um, Your ads were running on my, on my, uh, just coming through your feed, just scrolling through and there I am again. Yes. I'm scrolling through (laughs) and I see Sober Sis and I am so happy that somebody out there is doing some work in this space. And so I would love it if you'd share with our audience a little bit about what it is you're doing.
1: Absolutely. So so yeah, I was kind of your, I say, typical drinker. I really got into just the habit of drinking in my 30s as a young working mom. I found myself just at networking happy hours. and that's where I really started just getting in the really the, the like I said the habit and the routine of it's five o'clock, it's social hour, it's wine o'clock, it's it's my time to kind of start to unwind or connect or socialize. And so really in my 30s, I just kind of bounced back and forth from drinking sometimes a little bit more than I wanted to or meant to. We've all done that. And then kind of boomeranging back into, I'm going to stop drinking, I'm not drinking. And so I was like a yo-yo drinker, if you will, Um, for quite a long time. In fact, in my young 40s, I'm turning 50 this summer, just to give give a little bit of context for, for my age, because it does matter to me. Because when I turned 40 was a real pivotal point in my life as a mom, as a wife, just as a person. I really felt like I was gearing up for the next five years of raising teenagers and, and it was challenging. Mm -hmm. It was hard for me at times just to, to know kind of how to navigate those choppy bumpy waters. And so that's where I really found that my drinking was just a crutch in many ways. It was an emotional, just kind of landing space for me when I felt anxious, overwhelmed, bored, um, all those things. And so it was about my mid forties, that I got my oldest kind of out of those teenage years. And she was kind of moving on to her next life stage in season. And I really thought, Jen, this is your opportunity to do the same. Mm i had been really stuck in a rut. I'd been in a real, you know, just detox to retox loop where I would detox and be healthy and do all these really healthy, mindful things by day. I was doing my hot yoga. I was juicing my kale. I was doing. All the right things by day, so mindful, so present, so on it. And for me, the eject button from being so in control, so responsible, so hyper focused on being mindful, went to this out of balance kind of other end side of me that was like, okay, so now it's my time to check out, unwind, mm-hmm. not not be so present because I, I wanted to wanted to just kind of take a break. And um, I relate to that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. So after years of doing that and then not loving how I felt in the morning because I was back at the detox part of the coin, it's like, okay, well, now I got to do this all over again. Mm-hmm. I'm going to rid myself of all the toxins. I'm going to get back in into my right mindset. Gee, I hope I can get back into shape. I'm just drinking, you know, 500 calories a night. That's got to not help. And um, so, yeah, it was my mid forties that my life took a pivotal turn and I began to really look at my relationship with drinking. And it was like the lead domino for me of by changing that aspect of my life, that one thing, really getting a, a handle on it, not just through willpower, but really learning. It was really what I needed to step into this whole new authentic freedom that I'm experiencing and finding that I really don't need alcohol to do that.
0: I Your story resonates with me on so many levels. I was the exact same way. Um, definitely drank my fair share. And more than one occasion where I drank way more than I thought I should have or mm-hmm. planned to, I'm just going to go over and have a drink after work. And it turns into six. <laughs> yeah. um, and, you know, I've got three small kids. And so I was never... I was never bad around them, but I couldn't get up in the morning. I couldn't take care yeah. of the things that I needed to take care of. I could go to work. I couldn't go to the gym because I'd be too tired or hungover for that, right? right. And it wasn't an everyday thing. And well, I think you give yourself this grace because it's once in a while, right?
1: Exactly. I mean, I kind of had the 80-20 rule running with my drinking. We're about 80% of the time. It was seemingly okay. I looked like everybody else. hmm you know, GNO, book club, Mexican food restaurant at home on my back patio, watching Netflix. I'm just doing my thing. About 80% of the time, it was only me internally that it was really affecting. And about the 20% of the time, I was like, whoops, tied one on too many. Um, Needing to, needing to, you know, cancel something in the morning or, but that was more of the exception than the rule for me as well. So that left me feeling like, well, Maybe it's not that bad. And I started flipping it around and going, but is it that good? Is my life that good? It's not that bad. I haven't gotten a DUI. I didn't get in trouble. I didn't lose anything. My rock bottom, if you will, was pretty high. So there was not an external catalyst that forced my hand to change this relationship with drinking. Mm -hmm. It was everything internal that that was holding me back.
0: You're absolutely right. I so last this is December of like 19, 2019, everything I touched was about stop drinking. I was listening to <laughs> Brené Brown's Audible book and she was talking about how she doesn't drink. I got a women's health magazine and it was talking about dry January. It was like everywhere I turned, the universe was saying, "Listen, just try it for a minute. See if you can do it." Yeah. And so I said, I'm just not going to drink for January 2019. And I have not had any alcohol since. And Mm -hmm. now it's April of 2021, right? So it's been well over a year. But the thing that's really surprised me, Jen, is that people will always ask me, well, why'd you quit? Well, why did you have a problem? Or are you pregnant? Or is this a religious thing? Or, you know, why aren't you drinking? And I I kind of start just looking at people and saying because it's poison and I don't want to feel that way anymore. <laughs> but if you had said that to me two years ago while I was drinking, I would have been like, "Okay, lady, you know." So how do you how do you talk to people about it?
1: Oh, I love your story. Wow, I'm fascinated. I'm fascinated that um, much like myself, I really ha- I say I had instant sobriety, but really it took years to get there. Yeah. So like you, I, I just, uh, one day I really did decide. Now I was taking it one day at a time. I never dreamed that it would, you know, ramp up to coming. I just celebrated four years wow, alcohol-free. So I had, I had a very similar time in April of 2017 where I was just sick and tired of being sick and tired. Mm-hmm. Um, truly, that, that cliche was actually true. And so now, you know, now I like to just be this sober, curious person with people. You know, I love that that's such a trending hashtag out there sober curious. Because what that means is you don't have to be an alcoholic to stop drinking alcohol. You don't have to have a problem to look at something, even from a wellness health standpoint, and go, is it serving me? Is it benefiting me at all? And if the answer is no, or I think I just need to tap the brakes and look at this closer. By all means, do it. Alcohol is, is the only drug that we have to justify not taking in our it society.
0: Is. Isn't that weird? So backwards. It's so backwards. It's yeah. so backwards. And it's frustrating because when you're in it, you certainly think it's a choice. You don't recognize that society and culture and marketing oh, is yeah. actually forcing you to do so, right? And Totally. <laughs> oh, It's so frustrating. I think back about cigarettes, right? Mm-hmm. And my my grandmother smoked and I'm sure everybody, her age group did. And, but there was cartoon camels and Marble men and all of this advertising that made it seem really cool. And over time, those commercials, those advertisements to children, to being in cartoons, like Tom and Jerry used to smoke and um, it's out of sight. Now my children are six, eight and 10 And we walked out of their, um, they go to like Ninja Warrior gym. We walked outside the other day from the class and there was a woman standing next to them smoking. And my kids had never smelled that before. And they were like, what is that? What is she doing? And I was like, how cool is that? That my daughter's 10 and she's never seen a cigarette before. And it really made me start thinking about the way alcohol impacts us. I mean, advertisements from the time you're very little make you think it's cool.
1: Absolutely, that's one of my soapboxes that I love to get on. <laughs> I feel like it's. Get on it, girl! <laughs> yeah, I'm like, oh, okay, now you're speaking my language right now, because I think it's so important that we kind of realize that this is this is a marketing 101. I am a marketing major; that was my degree mm-hmm. in college. I, I get it. It's just follow the money. It's it's advertising. It's selling the products. Product. Yep. They're not selling you alcohol, they're not selling you a cigarette. They're selling you the lifestyle, the mm-hmm. glam, the the girl by the pool with the cabana boy. Yeah. They're, they're selling the the dream, not the reality. Yeah. And um and I love that story that you just shared about your kids, just it being almost like a foreign foreign sight to see, which yeah. is super cool. And I do think that the trend towards alcohol-free living as a, as a choice, as a health choice, not because you have to, but because you want to. Um, And I think a lot of sober uh, celebrities and people that have really come out strong with their, again, their choice to not drink um, really sends out a different message. And I do slowly, slowly, but surely I am seeing the tide, change a little bit. It's a $46 billion a year industry, the alcohol industry. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's, it's going to take a long time and I'm not a prohibitionist. you know, I'm not, I'm not anti alcohol as much as I am pro awareness pro let's talk about it. Let's really look at the realities and then make a more educated choice. But the marketing and the rosé all day and the mommy juice culture in the target t-shirts and yeah, and all of it really. Everywhere. Away.
0: Yeah, it certainly is. And I mean, gosh, my family, we love some Margaritaville, you know, I mean, Jimmy <laughs> Buffett, every time we go to Vegas, it's a thing. My parents have a Margaritaville sign in their backyard and it is, it's a, it's a feeling, it's a vibe, but what yeah. comes along with that is alcohol. And I really was afraid of being not included In Mm -hmm. some of those types of feelings and things when I originally had decided I wasn't going to drink. And originally I just thought it would be a month, right? So I, (laughs) I stumbled upon non-alcoholic beer when I was pregnant because when you're pregnant, you can't drink, right? So it's easy to stop. But when I had to, when I stopped for no reason, it was a lot more mental than it was anything else. Like totally you don't have a reason to, why are you putting yourself through this? Oh, right. Because I want to be healthier. So non-alcoholic beer helped me a lot. And I have found some of my favorites. What's your position on mocktails?
1: Ah, oh, big fan, big, big fan. Yeah. And um, yeah, if y'all follow me on Instagram at sober that's one of the things that I'm really passionate about on my account is showcasing and bringing to light some of these smaller companies that are making really cool craft, you know, NA, IPAs, and mm-hmm. it, it's, there's so much out there now. This is a booming, growing industry where they're starting to, you know, you're going to see big ads. I believe there was um, even Budweiser, I think it was Budweiser, came out on the Super Bowl with their Bud Zero, and, you know, Heineken's really put some mm-hmm. skin in the game. And then all these, you know, I love Get Groovy. I love their, um, uh, they're also their alcohol-free Prosecco is really good. There are just so many options now that um, in my community every month in Facebook, in our in our community there, I do a fridge tour. <laughs> I, love that. I literally take women with my phone into my refrigerator and I'm like, y'all, these are all zero proof, alcohol-free options. Like you don't have to feel deprived. And, and the placebo effect is so real. Yeah. It's so exciting. It is. empowering.
0: Yeah. It, it really is. My favorite is athletic brew. Oh, great one. So that yeah. they're my favorite. I have, <laughs> I ordered them online because I'm sure they're at BevMo or whatever, but i you know, COVID life, I'd rather just have things delivered these days. There you go.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, there's so many good ones now. I've, I try, I try to try them all, but yet a new one sneaks in. Sometimes I'm like, wow, I've never heard of that one. No way. So I'm curious, cool.
0: Jen, if you do any work with sororities.
1: Um, It's funny that you say that. I actually was in a sorority. I was a sorority president, actually. So I think it's a huge, huge place um, wow. where this conversation would be beneficial. I've not done anything directly with sororities, but it's so funny that you mentioned that because that's definitely on my radar having been in that scene. And ironically, Melissa, when I was at Texas Tech, again, dating myself back in the early 90s, um, I was a non-drinker. I was a sorority girl non-drinker.
0: Oh which I was other something of to be girl.
1: seen, I'm sure. Yeah. The then also there were enough non-drinkers that it wasn't super socially awkward or weird because mm-hmm. some people did, some people didn't. It wasn't like it is today where it's so prevalent and just such a, a more s- s- acceptable social norm. Again, of course, everyone was drinking. I mean, out House, Pike Fest, I mean, you name it. It was, yeah. I called it beer mud. When you were walking as a sorority girl, when you were walking through the yeah. the frat houses, it was just like dirt and and beer on the floor, <laughs> beer mud. And I was always kind of grateful that I that I left those parties and things kind of unscathed because these were pre Uber days, pre cell phone days. Mm-hmm. And quite honestly, it looked kind of scary when I saw, you know, my friends literally stumbling around, throwing up in the bathroom. I'm holding their hair back, and I'm thinking, yikes. This looks this looks kinda of scary. So I was actually a later in life drinker, but I think people are more people are drinking sooner.
0: Yeah, I so I um am gonna be forty this month and so mm-hmm. I was in college 99 to 2003 and I was in a sorority I was a pi beta phi and we had a program called sober sis and what that meant was one girl carried the sober sis cell phone because cell phones weren't we didn't all have them back then but they were available so the sorority paid for one phone and we could all call that girl that night to pick us up so it's kind of like an Uber genius. for sorority girls, right? It's so genius! I've never heard of that before. It was cool, but I don't think it was very long lived because you know Uber came around. So now right. nobody has to say sober; everybody can just call an right. Uber, right. and it it definitely almost lends encouragement to everybody getting smashed. Yeah, more of a
1: license to yeah. just party right. it up and call Uber.
0: Yeah, it does. And I asked about the sorority thing with you because alcohol was a big part of not of the sorority, but of the university where I was, I was Mm -hmm. at Northern Arizona university and Mm -hmm. it was Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night, everybody was out drinking. Yeah. And I definitely partaked in that. Sure. And I wish I had had some better peers, I think at the time to Mm -hmm. show me that you didn't have to get wasted every night or even have a beer or two every night in order to have a good time. Mm -hmm. Um, it's also something that's near to my heart. I own a, I'm a co-owner of a, Virtual CFO business where we do like fractional and virtual director of finance work, and one of the areas of community that we're looking to give back is in sororities um, because so many kids of this generation have business ideas and they don't know how to get started. So we want to go help them, you know, get their financial pieces intact. In but I, I just think this would be such a cool platform for your your work. And I do too.
1: I do too. Um, I'm glad that you're saying this. And I feel like all conversations are meant to be <laughs> kind yeah. of divine, divinely orchestrated to learn something, to share something. And um, I think that's a great idea. And again, I see how God has created this mosaic of my life, of how he's called me into what I'm doing now and my sorority life and leadership there and ability to just interact with that many just of a wide variety of people, diversity, it, it's really been a good thing.
0: Yeah. Um, so it'd
1: be fun to go back in there now as as my 50-year-old self, but let these young gals know, hey, you know, and just even again, you know, sharing some of the, just some of the science was helpful to me. I, I didn't really understand what I was quite up against. I didn't understand why why I craved it when I didn't really want it.
0: Isn't that weird? I was really confused
1: by that for a long time. Dang. I was like, dang, what's happening? I, I worked out today. I had good intentions at 10 a.m. Like, no way, I'm not drinking tonight. By 3 p.m., my blood sugar's is dropping. Uh, it's kind of sounding like a good idea. At 5 p.m., I almost couldn't help myself Yeah. without using a tremendous amount of moderation muscle, which I could do. It just took a lot of bandwidth for me.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the bandwidth overload for sure. Yeah, I can Are you familiar with the 75 hard? I
1: think I am.
0: I can't remember the name of the guy who does it. It'll come to me as soon as we get off. I'm sure. I have got a friend doing it right now where you, you read so many pages. So for 75 days, you have to do all these things, but no alcohol is one of the things. That's right. And it's so interesting because as my, my husband tried to have me do it alongside of him. And I was like, yeah, I already drink a lot of water. I already read. I already don't drink. So what's the big deal? Well, it's two workouts a day. That was the big deal for me. I can That's do one doing two is hard, but as, as he has told people and he made it through, he's a rock star and he wow. finished 75 days this past week. But the thing that always trips people up is no alcohol for 75 days. Like yeah. they don't, they don't think they can do it. Right. Isn't that interesting that right. we don't even have the confidence that we could go without for 75 days, but, but we don't, think that there's any concern there.
1: <laughs> right. <laughs> That's not a bit of a, of a red flag right there.
0: Know, it's <laughs> Have yeah. you read um, This Naked Mind?
1: Oh, yes. Big fan.
0: Me Love too. that book. I wish it had more PR because I stumbled across it. And I wish it was like on every street corner. It, it changed the way I think about it. Oh, thinking. me too.
1: I read it in summer of 2017. And Annie's actually a friend of mine. I've gotten to meet her and talk with her several times. So cool. Oh, she's just a rock star to me. And um, it's actually almost pretty much required reading in Sobersis. <laughs> <It's laughs> I've helped about 12,000 women read her book because it's a must.
0: It, it so is a, a must. Do you like the audible version or the, or the paper version?
1: Um, I'm kind of the paper version girl, really. Yeah.
0: I kind of like my highlight. I'm kind
1: of a, a nerd that way. Nerd alert. I like my,
0: <laughs> my well, highlighters. She, talk and- <laughs> she talks about it in the pod, in the audible, that there's some, I can't even recall. There's some play on the way that the audio, the audio is made so that your brain picks up the signals um, so I read it and I listened to the Audible, but she talks about it at the beginning of the Audible that
1: nice.
0: there's some, um, you know how they can like switch it from one ear to the other right. and you might hear it differently. Well, if anyone
1: understands the subconscious mind and how to utilize it, I'm sure Annie <laughs> Annie does. It's so
0: cool. Um, yeah. It, it helped me tremendously. I just, I love it. So uh you said, you know, it was your lead domino and- you know, people ask me like, how do I do it all? Right. I'm a, I'm a career mom. I'm a, I have a big career. I travel for, for my career. I'm a co-owner of a business. I'm a podcaster. I'm a writer. I'm a mom of three kids. And the, the cutting out alcohol from my life was the lead domino. And you said it so perfectly. It really, it gave me the energy and the clarity to get my stuff back in line.
1: To do it. Yeah. I agree with you a hundred percent. And you do have a lot on your plate. Me just listening to your life stage, the ages of your kids, all of your success and really what it takes. I, I know as just a fellow woman out there in business and also trying to make a difference. It takes a lot. It takes a mm-hmm. lot of a lot of passion, a lot of hard work behind the scenes that no one sees. And I often think, oh my gosh, I've got to wake up with my sober mind fully. Mm -hmm. engaged and intact there's no way I could be doing what I'm doing now at the capacity and velocity that I'm doing it if I had any anything slowing me down I'm hypersensitive and aware and want to be attuned to anything slowing me down so there's constant work on my end of just you know what is that my backpack that feels heavy today is that supposed to be in there I don't think so it's out And really having that clear head, that clear mind to focus, you can get a lot done, a lot done. Did you know drinking takes about 35 to 40 hours a week out of your life? Just as a, just as a kind of a regular social habitual drinker, it's about five hours a session by the time you buy it, think about buying it, have it drink, you know, that's a two to three hour, just kind of a drinking session how it affects your sleep really into the next day. I'm going to bust out and say it's probably more than five hours per time that I used to drink, how it would impact me. And that's, it's a full, it's a, it's a full-time part-time job to be a moderate to heavy drinker. It really is.
0: And for what, right? I mean, I get the same satisfaction hanging out with my friends, having a LaCroix or a non-alcoholic beer that I did having three with alcohol in them totally. It's, it's, it's so much, has to shift so much on it.
1: fun. I just went to my cousin's wedding this past weekend and it was also my four year anniversary of being alcohol free. I'm not really a day counter. I'm a year counter now. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: it's just, awesome. just kind
1: of turned into my lifestyle where I'm not really thinking about it anymore. I'm just moving forward in this freedom that I feel and I can drink what I want when I want. And so when I have that mentality of not like I want to drink and I can, it's like, uh, hello, I can drink. And I don't want to, much like you said, it's really empowering. And I went to the wedding and I just had such a great time. And we were, my husband and I were driving home and, and I just felt this relief wash over me of not only did I not have a trigger to drink, I did, I did at first, you know, I didn't just go to my first wedding and feel the way I did four years later, took a lot of time and practice. It just took practice, but we were driving back to the hotel and I was like, score, score, I get to, you know, we went back kind of on the earlier end. Cause again, what's the point past a certain time.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: uh, you know, we watched a couple of, of funny episodes of our show. You know, I took a bath. It was fun. I woke up. I had zero regret, zero shame, zero hangover. And I really connected with my family there that I haven't seen in a while. I just was so elated that it was such a win and I just think, oh, man, I had to go through the uncomfortable. I had to go through that. I'm not sure how this is going to work out part of things to get to the side where I'm at now, where I'm like, just there is zero part of me that ever regrets not drinking the next day. Me too. Zip.
0: (laughs) I have never had regret for not drinking. Not once. Ever. ever. So I have a question and, and I'm, I may ask it in a strange way, but I'm sure you've heard this question before. What do you think it is if I say to somebody, I choose not to drink because I don't want to, it seems to trigger shame or frustration or anger in somebody who still does yeah. um, as if I'm placing judgment or, or some, some form of negative emotion on them. What is, what is your thought around that?
1: Yeah, I, t- I totally know what you're talking about. I can really resonate with that feeling because when we uh, raise our standard, our personal standard, we're not trying to go out there and and judge anyone else for what they're doing. But just by raising our own personal standard of being more present, doing healthier things, just leveling up ourselves creates this mirror effect where when people see us, it's like a, a mirror Of maybe where they are. And we're not doing that. We're, I'm not, you're not, we're not going around with this sign on our head that says you need to be like me or stop drinking or you're bad or you're wrong. That's what's inside of them. If they're feeling convicted or wrestling with the mental tug of war inside, we're just tripping a switch a little bit because now they have to confront that feeling inside because they're looking at it. It's like they're looking at kind of maybe something that they do want, something they are curious about, but they're not sure how to get there. So we're almost, again, inadvertently, not intentionally, we are like holding up a mirror and... So what I tell the gals in Sober is, you know, I want to be free to be a non-drinker and not be judged. And I definitely don't want to be the person that comes around where people are like, oh, gin's here. Put it down. Drink less. We gotta, we've got to posture or adapt ourselves to gin. It's not like that at all. But I do think that anytime time we, we just kind of up-level ourselves, it, it causes people a little bit of cognitive dissonance.
0: I agree. Well, and, you know, if my story means anything, it was people talking about it. It was being written about and it just started to all come to me at the same time. So I think the more we talk about it, maybe the more people will hear it, right? How we talk
1: about it is so important because we know drinking is mainstream. We know 87% of adults drink alcohol on a semi-regular to very regular basis. So we know we're we're living in a very alcohol-centric world. So we need to be able to normalize talking about it. We never talk about our hangovers. Nobody does. We just talk about how much fun we had, make some jokes. but No one's ever calling, you know, another mom at 8 a.m. going, oh my gosh, how are you doing it? How are you getting the lunches together? I'm dying,
0: yeah. you know?
1: And so I think just sharing, you know, yeah, alcohol seems fun at times and in the moment, but, you know, is it really working that great? And I think just having an atmosphere of curiosity versus black and white, right or wrong, or it's a moralistic decision, sometimes it's just lack of knowledge or lack of empowerment to even understand how much choice you really do have.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's true. And there's so many options out there to to partake in. I agree. Yeah. I love it. Thank you so much for making that, um, message available to the world. I, I think it's so important. And my kids, we talk about alcohol, even with they're, they're very young and yeah, I want so them good. to know that there's choices and that you don't have to be part of that crowd if, if you don't want to, and if you want to try it, then here's how you try it. And right. it is, it is slippery slope for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So Jen, I have a couple other questions. Um, that I like to ask all my guests. Okay. Um, do you have a favorite part of your morning ritual? Do you have a morning ritual?
1: Oh, oh yes, I do, Melissa. It's funny that you ask. <laughs> I was just, in fact, on Instagram, I put my morning trifecta. Picture, wow. And it really is my trifecta. Um, every morning, I have a little spot carved in my daughter's room. She's grown and flown. Yes. I've got a daughter that's 23 now. So she's like a working adult out in the Mm -hmm. world, which from one mom to another, it's pretty good. (laughs) And you'll get there soon, sooner than you can imagine. So I have a, a person out in the world that's like getting it done. And so I've taken over her room now. And so I've got this little nook where I have my coffee, my devotional books, kind of the books that I'm really wanting to dig into in the morning, uh, you know, all my all my books, my Bible, my stuff. And then my favorite, I gotta be honest, my favorite part of my routine, and anyone that knows me will, will tell you this, it's my Trader Joe's scone. I'm so into my orange cranberry scone. If you live in Forward, Texas, and you wonder why there are no orange cranberry scones in the store, <laughs> it's because I have them. I have them all.
0: Yeah. That's so funny, Jed. That's so funny. My thing is coffee, but I'm I'm funny because I could have a cup of coffee and fall back asleep. It's not a caffeine thing for me. It's just like the warmth, the and, warmth yeah. and the and the routine. It's so strange,
1: yeah, for sure.
0: So strange. Um, and then my other question. So the book that I'm writing has is called Efficiency Bitch, and it talks about being a career mom and having. Uh, like I, I travel a lot for work and, and my husband has a full-time career and how do we balance, you know, raising family. And I look back over the history of feminism in the United States from my grandmother being 10 years old during women's suffrage and my mother being 10 years old through the civil rights movements in the sixties, me being 10 years old through the mid nineties, early nineties, um, Monica Lewinsky, right. Anita Hill, these types of right. like sex scandals, and now my daughter is 10 years old, and there's a female vice president. Politics aside, my 10-year-old doesn't understand that, but she has a visual of a woman as the vice president. And so then we, we imagine what her daughter's life will be like eventually as wow. well. So I like to ask my guests if they can think back to when they were 10 or near 10 in, you know, the fourth and fifth grade area of a cultural event or a personal event that impacted you in a way that you think you've taken forward, um, in your life?
1: Oh, that's an interesting question. I appreciate that. I've, I've done a few podcasts at this point and that, that's a question I've not heard before. (laughs) Good good one. Um, and instantly, you know, what came to mind, I don't know that, you know, I would have, said this had I given this a lot of thought, but just off the top of my head, I vividly remember being 10 years old in 1981. And I believe that that was the year President Reagan was shot.
0: Uh-huh. I could be wrong. I but think I feel like right. Was I was right. born in 81. And I think that that is accurate.
1: I feel like it's right around there. It was a world happening for sure. And it was around that time. Yep. And I remember being in class and then rolling in a TV on those, you know, like roller carts yep. like they used to do. They rolled in a TV. There we were sitting at our little desk and they showed, you know, that they'd taken him to the hospital. Was our president going to die? I mean, it was, it was riveting. And I think for a 10 year old again, about that time, it was really the first thing I'd ever seen in current events that made me feel like, Oh my gosh, this thing is vulnerable. This is volatile. Like, wait, what? Yeah. The president of the United States can, can be, you know, shot at what's right. happening. Um, really crazy. And yeah. so I don't know, just off the cuff. That's, that's what comes to mind. Really <laughs> I
0: don't know. I history
1: about that event, obviously, but, um,
0: those cultural events are, are really impactful. I mean, I didn't understand what was going on in the Monica Lewinsky stuff with Bill Clinton. Oh, yeah. But I was 10, and I knew it was around sex, and yeah. I knew that there was a problem. But I didn't understand the depth of it. Um, same with Anita Hill. I remember it being talked about on the news around me.
1: Yeah. I'm
0: really grateful that my 10-year-old has talk of a woman vice president and not something...
1: Um, right. Something so positive. Yeah, what what positive. an advancement. Yeah. it's exactly. huge.
0: It's really great. But, I mean... You know, anybody who was born in 1991 would have been 10 years old when 9-11 happened. And exactly. it's That's just inter- interesting. It is. And I, I think I've done a lot of research on the formative years, and it's, it's typically defined as 10 to 15, the things that happen to you in your environment in between mm. those years, because there's so much happening physically as well, right. really impact on you and hold tight to you. My, my mother was, um, I was 13 when my mother got diagnosed with breast cancer. And she, she's still alive today. She, you know, went through some Um, tribulations with it, but I remember being just furious at her, but I was 13. I couldn't absorb and process, but I, I knew what was happening and I heard the C word. Right. And I just, I like thinking about what other people perceive during those years, because you're not totally understanding it in the right lens, but
1: Right. Well, and it's funny too how we think back to that event from that perspective of his, of a ten year old. Because even me recollecting that event with you, I'm like, when President Reagan got shot. And then just while we're talking, I'm like, wait, did he get shot, or did that? I know the Secret Service men took the bullet for him. So then I'm I'm even starting to backtrack. What is reality? Wow. What really happened, and what do I think happened? I what think, have I transposed from memory and images and movies and
0: yeah, it's hard to remember. It's, it's hard to remember what
1: really happened because now I'm like, wait, I I don't really, I'm gonna have to Google it when I get off. I'm like, wait, what really happened?
0: I just watched the um, First Lady series on CNN not too long ago, and yeah. Nancy Reagan is one of them that they talk about. And so he definitely wow. was shot. Okay. it obviously I, wasn't I, was fatal, thinking so. I thought no i'm losing my mind over no, here <laughs> That's that's accurate uh, okay. yeah for okay. sure i don't have the specifics on it either but i i do remember that that was a a big piece because that triggered yeah. her going to astrologists and such to make sure uh-huh. that he was always going to be safe and it's an interesting series actually staying yeah huh. cool well thank you for sharing yeah i really appreciate you coming on i i just am so impressed in the work you do i so the efficiency B is all about bold, balanced, and blessed. And for me, being alcohol free is part of my balance. But I really um, admire your boldness in going up against such a huge part of cultural society. And I will uh, share your message as loud as I often as and as often as I can.
1: That is awesome. Well, I really appreciate it. And I'm so glad that our paths have crossed and and just look forward to keeping in touch with your journey and all that you're doing and your book. I can't wait to read that and and help promote that into the world because it sounds like it's it's really thought provoking. And um, it's been a great conversation and getting to know you better.
0: Thank you so much. Can you tell our listeners where to find you? And then I will also add them to the show notes.
1: Yeah, sure can. So as I mentioned earlier, I'm pretty active on Instagram. That's a great place to find out, you know, what I'm drinking as a (laughs) non-drinker. And um, So follow me at Sober Sis. And I do have a free guide out there. So if you're you're a sister, if you're female out there and you want to join my email list, um, I also just send you just, I want to just give value and content that's going to help you when you're trying to navigate and survive really wine o'clock. So I have a free guide of just like my top five tips and tricks to help you, even if you just want to take a night off or a weekend, or, or if you want to even do a a month, I do have a monthly 21 day reset challenge. And that's really what I lead women through what has worked for me. And you can find that at SoberSys.com is the free guide and then SoberSys.com forward slash 21 day challenge is how you can join my monthly challenge group. And we just we just take a break together. You know, it's all about that practice, curiosity, not having to wear a label or say forever or always. And we just, we really kind of peel back the layers of like, what is alcohol? What's it really doing to us? What's the marketing saying? And it's fun to do it with other women who get it. So there's no, there's no judgment or shame. It's like, oh, I got you. I got you, girl. I get so it.
0: Good. Yeah. I love it. I, uh, You know, it's funny. I didn't click on the link to get the challenge because I am already participating, but I, right. I'm going to download it today so that I can share it with others. I just, yeah, awesome. for sure.
1: And, you know, I do have women join Sober sis who are already sober minded, alcohol free, because they just want to be in such a large and growing community hmm. of other women who are pursuing the same thing. Um, When women come in sober, sis, I typically, you know, let's just start with 21 days, but after that, I've got an an alcohol-free lifestyle course that I teach people on really how to feel the feels, how to handle obstacles, how self-care is so important. I talk all about boundaries, and then I even just launched my third kind of final program in the transition of making it a lifestyle called P365, and I help women Walk through one year alcohol free with with support and structure. Just so they have someone to celebrate their first with and the yeah. wins
0: That's along so
1: the cool. way. So awesome. it's it's quite a it's quite a journey. But I always just tell people just start with one day. Just yeah. start with the beginning, and you'll find your way forward.
0: I agree. I completely agree. Yeah. Well, it's awesome. Thank you, Jen. I really appreciate your time, and it was wonderful talking to you.
1: Yeah. You too, Melissa. Thanks so much.
0: Well guys, that wraps it up. Thank you so much for listening. Keep spreading that EV love and remember to find me on Facebook at Efficiency Bee. Until we meet again, be bold, be balanced, and stay blessed. See ya!